Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race line. Oh, I can't believe USC is seven and five again. Oh no! Welcome back to Random Trail Radio, episode 531, coming to you on Monday, January 22nd. We're going to look at the latest in USC football news, including some transfer portal updates uh, and so much more, including a discussion on sort of where the Trojans stand right now, how we feel about the Trojans and college football going into the 20. 20- 24 season. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Email address Reign of Troy at fanside.com and our phone number 818 643 7227. Second Woods Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined with my co host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Derto. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back. Back on Mondays, uh, Monday night podcasting. Um, I'm excited because I feel like we're about to, you know, get in a spot where we have our off-season ritual sort of locked in, right? I hope. Yes? Yeah. No? Yeah. Mon- Mondays, weekly, Mondays. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, as, we, as we go through an off-season that always feels endless until we inevitably get to... Mm-hmm. March and then April and then May and every month closer we get to the new season we say wow it's already March and wow it's already April and wow it's already August and can you believe how the time flied mm-hmm. uh, flew flied. How, the, how the time flew flied uh, but in January on January 22nd the time feels like it is forever and a day away from the flied. new season so yeah. how the time flied the time flied yes did, did you did you have to take a ready 140 yeah yeah, I can I, tell. I can tell. <laughs> no, I I went to college preparatory high school Notre Dame mm-hmm. uh, in Sherman Oaks, mm-hmm. and so I, as a freshman in high school, learned the concept of a five paragraph essay. So when I got into writing one forty, mm-hmm. I just looked around and was like, "People like we're learning how to write a five paragraph essay. Yeah. Like what? What are what?" I, you just, at, you just flied right USC. through that course, right? Like, what? What are we doing? I, it was it was very <laughs> bizarre for me. Um, I got lucky. I tested out of one hundred and forty. You could test out of one hundred and forty. Well, I, I I was a transfer student. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. No, I I uh, 
I didn't get. I didn't See, when get you're to... as smart as me, like you can just you know <laughs> circumvent. I got to SC without ever taking the SAT or the ACT. That's wild. That's the wild one to me. I never that's, took the ACT. I took that's, the SAT. That's called smartness. <laughs> smart. I just flied right through it. Didn't didn't have to you didn't fly, have to worry about it. Flied right by the SAT. Yeah, and the ex- ACT. exactly. Um, two forty though. Two forty was 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 yeah, fun. Two forty, not so fun. Yeah. Uh, two forty. Uh, my uh, final, like uh, my final project, it was a um, a presentation. Even though I was writing two forty, but it was a presentation, and my presentation was why Matt Barkley should come back for his senior season. I always forget this, and I love this about you <laughs> that <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> that you did a a presentation on Matt Barkley. Yeah, for and, an actual college well, credit. You know what the incredible part is. You want to know what some of my um, some of our my rationale? It was like a PowerPoint thing. Some of the points that I had don't even didn't even age well um, because I was like, he's gonna have great incoming freshman wide receivers like Jaden Mickens. Because <laughs> at the time, Jaden Mickens was committed to SC, and then uh-huh. ultimately he flipped to Washington, but. He he was going to SC at the time. Yeah. Well, this is why. Well, th- th- this is this is a great this is a great uh, transition into the actual football talk. These uh, famous in- instances are why the off season is all about counting your chickens before they hatch, mm-hmm. and that's all we do all off season. We just count our we count our Jaden Mickenses before they hatch. <laughs> we count our George Farmers before they hatch. Yeah. We count our our um our you know Trey Madden being healthies before <laughs> before they hatch. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's And the off season just makes sure that you it fly by. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Uh big shout out to the OHIO podcast. I I, OH. I hope it's OHIO. OH. The Ohio podcast. I'm, uh, I'm I'm setting you up and you're failing. Oh, sorry. sorry. Do, do it again. OH. IO. Hey. Yeah, there we go. Uh let me be the first buckeye to welcome you to the Big 10. Maybe our pods can collaborate down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the uh for the super chat from the uh, OH IO podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and yes, uh, we we do need to do some collaborations with our new with our new Big 10 Big 10 buddies. Yeah. Around the the conference as as we find them. So, it, yeah. I I can't wait to like uh write down the term conference rival Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> For me it's conference rival Purdue. I just have a feeling about Purdue. Like it's gonna be Purdue. Purdue's gonna be Purdue's is, gonna be the new Oregon, Oregon State. State. Yeah, yeah. I could see it. West Lafayette and Corvallis have sort of the same vibes, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, one of the things uh, that helps uh, about things like Rutgers is, at least in Rut, if you go to a Rutgers game, you can bet on DraftKings. It's a legal gambling state, and Trojan fans, DraftKings is offering fantastic signups for new users. You can place a $5 first bet on anything and instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. The best part is that you'll receive both rewards 
if your first bet loses. So when you join DraftKings, make sure you use the sign-up code Reign of Troy, all one word. Using that code Reign of Troy not only gets you these great bonuses, but helps directly support this very podcast. So if you've been considering signing up for DraftKings uh, and you live in New Jersey, maybe. Uh, make sure you sign up for the code Rate of Troy on DraftKings to maximize your first bets and parlays. The offer, of course, only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states like a lot of those Big Ten states. And please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Uh, Alicia, we got a bunch of stuff to get into. Uh, so let's get into the news, shall we? Hey, Alicia, before we get back to the show, can you give me one quick moment? Are you doing prize picks again? Yes, it's so good. It's the playoffs. It's the NBA playoffs. There's so many good things to do on prize picks. It's America's number one fantasy sports app for a reason. I'm just going here looking for different entries. Look at this. Uh, James Harden, more or less than nine assists. What do you think? Uh, James Harden and the Clippers are out to crush me, so always I pick less. Okay, okay. Kevin Durant, more or less than 28 points? Uh, Kevin Durant is out to crush the souls of Suns fans, so I always pick less. <sighs> Fine. Uh, Anthony Edwards, more than 29 points. Is, 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 that, is that better for you? Anthony Edwards is actually really, really, really good, so... Fine. We can do more there. We're going to go Anthony Edwards more, Kevin Durant less, James Harden less. I'm going to lock it in. And you guys listening can also download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match of up to 100 bucks. Download the app Price Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. Download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. And yes, it's available in California. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Alicia, we got to start with the transfer portal updates. Uh, Romello Heights, he's someone who... Had his moments, absolutely. Um, missed most of the 2021 season with an injury uh, in 2023. Uh, had his moments, had a big game against Utah and Arizona State. Um, ultimately, six tackles for loss on the season uh, and uh, four sacks. But he is headed into the transfer portal. The, uh, the man from Auburn, two years at SC, now gone into the transfer portal. Yeah, and it was it is sad for him because his first season he got that injury. I think it was in the first game, might have been the second game of the season, and uh, and that sort of just he never he never quite picked up. We we imagined that he could be somebody that um, would fill some gaps on uh, on the edge and 
just never really felt like it came to be. And you're right, he did have a few moments, but it was also pretty clear to me that in terms of the pecking order, he was behind guys like Jamil Muhammad. He was behind guys like Solomon Bird. Um, and then with USC adding Anthony Lucas and you know, Elijah Hughes and Braylon Shelby, it just it, it felt like he ended up in in a little bit of a of a logjam that um, you sort of understand why he's he's heading out, striking out, see where he can mm-hmm. finish out his his career. Um, so it's it's not a huge loss in in terms of production, right? Maybe a, a loss in terms of having another veteran body in there, uh, because USC is losing Solomon Bird to the uh, to the draft. Um, but it's it's one of those. I think it, it's it follows in line with most of the portal departures that USC has had so far this year. It's been it's been really interesting looking around the rest of college football and seeing a lot of programs lose guys that they don't want to lose at all mm-hmm. and. I was sort of pondering to myself about how USC's lost a lot of guys, but with the exception, I think, of Michael Jackson the third, most of them I have had the reaction of like, okay, good luck elsewhere. That's fine. I don't know. I, I sort of feel the, a, a different way here. I mean, you look at Romello Height, uh, of all the rush ends last year, third in tackles for loss with six behind Solomon Bird and Jamil Muhammad, who had 11 and 10 and a half respectively, but I always felt like Romello height was, was close. Uh, and you know, there's, there's part of me that thinks, could he have been the guy to take the step forward uh, in the Danton Lynn defense? Could he have been the guy to sort of, I, I know that we said there's no Layatu Latu on this defense right now, but could he have been one of the Murphy twins? See, and to you me, know? that to like to me, that's Jamil Muhammad. Like, I I get where you're coming from with Ramella Height, as it, maybe he could be, maybe he could take that Chenanawosu step forward that we always dream of with the yeah. sort of redshirt senior uh, upperclassman. But t- for me, that's Jamil Muhammad, and I think that the fact that it's Ramello Height that's transferring out mm-hmm. kind of is telling on that front about whether or not that's that's valid yeah like where everybody where they stood relative to everybody else because uh i mean if we're we're gonna make all of the comparisons in a perfect world anthony lucas is your layout to and jamil muhammad or maybe someone like braylon shelby or whatever is what is is the Murphy twins and right. and then you roll. Um, I'm not I'm not necessarily gonna bet on the perfect world coming true because yeah. Leatu Latu was that special, and I don't want to mm-hmm. necessarily put put that put all that weight on Anthony Lucas. But right. if you look at anybody who has the the sheer talent, I suppose the sheer potential that's that's definitely your guy. And it's not that Romola R- 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 didn't have the potential; it's just. I, I just I don't know I, di- I didn't necessarily see enough from him to definitely say if I had to pick one of the two was going to stay between Height and Muhammad I would have picked Muhammad I would have taken Muhammad too yeah yeah I, I but I would have said porque no los dos well that's fair too because you can never have too many uh, too many edge rushers but also right. when you're a, a red shirt senior and mm-hmm. your eligibility clock is ticking well, like do you really want to sit there and have to be in a, right. in a in a scenario at usc where it's like well maybe you'll maybe see playing time 
Yeah. We we also know that Ashley got Nate Clifton from Vandy. Um, he's someone who has talked extensively in his uh, interviews and during the recruiting process that he can play all over the field um, on the defensive line, at least. Um, sort of any of those spots. He can play inside. He can play outside. He can play the edge. Uh, so maybe he factors in as another guy uh, to maybe be there and sort of, you know, provide a, a, another body for Romello Height to compete against. And at that point, it's maybe better off to go find a different opportunity. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, either way, we'll see what happens to Romello Height. Uh, good luck to him going forward. We'll see how that all goes. Um, let's talk about quarterbacks. Uh, Five-star 2024 quarterback, uh, Julian Sayan, a Alabama signee and early enrollee has been linked to USC, but he is committed to transfer to Ohio State. Yeah, this one was interesting because in light of USC losing Malachi Nelson, in light of rumors of maybe Juju Lewis's commitment for, well, now of 2025, now that he's reclassified, his commitment maybe not being the firmest thing in the world. Uh, the link to Julian Sain, who was uh, a, one of the star quarterbacks in this recruiting class, um, it was interesting because it, it would have been a really nice insurance policy for USC against a potential Juju Lewis uh, flip. Um, but the moment he entered the portal uh, looking to leave Alabama, Ohio State was the name everybody was saying. Yeah. It felt like USC was a, if not Ohio State, then USC situation. And it turned out to be Ohio State. So, uh, well, now... Given the the Big Ten of it all, mm-hmm. when when USC loses somebody to Ohio State, now that's one where we sit back and say, well, USC may end up seeing him down the line, and yeah. the consequences of that could be uh, could be great, or USC could figure their own stuff out at quarterback. It's yeah. the the thing about even pursuing Julian Sayan is that if you get the transfer of Julian Sayan, you are pretty much signaling to Juju Lewis, mm-hmm. go ahead and flip to Georgia. So balancing yeah. uh, balancing out these sort of quarterback questions, I think, is really, really tricky. And we've seen that from from the USC perspective already this year. Yeah. And it's only going to get more tricky. Yeah, you're, you're saying he's, he's I'm, saying I'm too. just saying. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing about quarterbacks, we talk about this all the time, is that it's all fluid. It yes. is all fluid there. Do not get attached to a quarterback. No, never do it. Just just don't. They're they're. The, it's the one position that's the most likely to always go in and out. Um, think about all the think about all the quarterbacks that you were, you know, Jackson Dart, the Trojan of the future, for like a month and a half. Yeah, and then this guy named Caleb Williams came in. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, we we will see what happens there. Uh, it is interesting, like you said, that it's going to be a weird process to mentally change who USC's um, conference foes are because we've talked about it before. If, if SC loses a guy from Bosco to, to Clemson, like like DJ, who cares? You're never going to face him. Don't have to worry about it. Um, not that who cares. Obviously, you want those kind of guys, but like at least you don't have to worry about facing those guys uh, during the season, right? Well, now you can take Ohio State off that list. You can take Michigan off that list, Penn State off that list, uh, the list goes on and on of all the Big Ten schools. Uh, and the weird thing is, we talked about it with, with Dorian Singer last week, going in the transfer portal, transferring to Utah. 
Utah's no longer a destination that you have to worry about, which is weird. It's, it's a it's a weird weird in, instance that you have to recalibrate your brain. Flipping that switch. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about other news in the transfer portal. Uh, Arizona no longer. Speaking of, why are we talking about Arizona? They they have nothing to do with with USC anymore. Uh, Noah Fafita and, and uh, Tedaria McMillan are staying in Tucson. Uh, they're not following Jed Fish uh, to Washington. They had a Which big is, ceremony over the weekend where, like, all of their players recommitted to staying um, in Arizona, and then they also like had a big win over UCLA in basketball. Which is why we're talking about it because Noah Fafita and Tetoroya McMillan um, are no longer USC's problem. Mm-hmm. The moment Jed Fish left Arizona, there was a question of, well, does McMillan want to come over to USC? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a question. So, so there was a connection there. Yeah. But the real danger in my mind was those was those guys following Jed Fish to Washington, and that has not happened. In fact much of Arizona they've this is this is the funny thing is that if you have core guys who decide to stay yeah it creates a wave of momentum and I think that has happened for Arizona the wave of momentum led by Fafita and McMillan to stay in Tucson to commit to playing for the Wildcats and to leaving Jedfish out to dry uh, because you know how dare head coaches take new jobs um but uh but them going to Washington would have been an issue for USC because USC actually does have to pay attention to what Washington does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Washington being absolutely gutted uh, is ultimately, from a USC perspective, a plus because <laughs> USC's yeah. schedule is difficult enough and not having to necessarily worried, worry about a rebuilt, a quickly rebuilt Washington is one less thing that that the 2024 Trojans at least need to care about so yeah that's kind of big news from on the jed fish front yeah if if there's anything any guy who can sort of make over for a gutted roster it's a fish though right uh jed fish well he can't that's the thing is he can make over a gutted roster uh to not try to play off your pun but trying to actually analyze this uh But he needed time at Arizona, and he might right. end up needing time at Washington because he's not able, because the vibes around Washington and Arizona are so mm-hmm. weird. It, it's, it's still still crazy to me. Two weeks from two weeks ago, from this moment, we were thinking that Washington was going to go win a national championship. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't, and but yeah. Now here we are. They've they've literally lost like everybody off there too deep. Uh, they have a new coach who I think is pretty good. I, I like Jed Fish a lot as a coach, um, but it's a whole completely different situation for them. So Washington was already yeah. losing everybody, and then they lost everybody else. Yeah. Uh, one of those guys is Parker Brailsford, uh, the starting center for the Huskies, has uh, committed to Alabama. He's going to go follow Kalen DeBoer to Tuscaloosa. He was someone that you mentioned uh, on last week's episode as, wouldn't it be cool if... SC could sort of get in there, but it always kind of felt like he was going to go follow Kalen DeBoer uh, and go uh, with the tide. Yeah, I was Literally. considering USC's need at center. I was hoping that maybe USC could get involved there. It always felt 
like a bit of a pipe dream considering the fact that Alabama also really needs a center and the first yeah. call that Kalen DeBoer should have should have made was to to the center he left at uh, at Washington. So this is not a surprise. It's just a little bit of a bummer. And also it's going to be part of the theme of this episode of of where does USC go from here? Where is USC positioned going in this into the season actually? That center question that would have been a really easy answer to the center question and said the center question looms. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens on the offensive line. We know that Jonah Monheim is coming back, uh, which is a good thing, but still got to figure it out. Still got to see if there's another guy that SC can sort of get in the transfer portal or if they have to solve those things internally with all the uh, recruits. We know that SC has recruited the offensive line heavily last couple of years, um, but there's not a lot of, say, blue chip guys Uh in that room at the moment. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens on the offensive line. Uh, let's go and talk about the NFL. Alicia, it is guaranteed, barring some sort of injury, I guess, uh, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But there will be a USC Trojan in the Super Bowl. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown uh, is in the NFC Championship game, and he will face Sam Darnolds, who is... Um, Probably not going to play. Uh, Amon Ra over the weekends had a touchdown. He led the Lions with 77 catches on, uh, sorry, 77 yards on eight catches. Would have been nuts if he had 77 <laughs> catches, but yeah, that's, 77 that's yards Marquise on eight Lilo. catches and a score in their win over the Bucks. Uh, and Sam Darnold just held the clipboard about as admirably as you could have wanted, uh, which of course guarantees that SC will have a NFC representative in the Super Bowl because it will be Lions. And Niners, the Lions going on the road to Santa Clara to face the Lions um, this week. Yeah, um, I I think the Lions are one of the best stories in the NFL this year, and Amon Ross St. Brown is one of the players that that make them go. And um, it's been really really fun to see him in the NFL reach his full potential, and mm-hmm. I think step closer and closer every day to proving himself as a top five receiver in the league. And he's doing everything that that he could have he could have dreamed of. So yeah, yeah not pro bowler, but all pro. So yeah, whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, he he's got the Lions in a good position, and I think they're going to be competitive against the uh, the Niners, who sadly, as as Kenny in the chat points out, um, don't have Talano Hafanga playing for them on their defense right now. He sadly mm-hmm. suffered a season-ending ACL injury a couple months ago, um, which is a, a big bummer because that would have been really fun. Uh, to see Amon Ra and uh, Hafanga go two up guys against each other, who you know we always knew that they were damn good players, uh, Hufanga and Amon Ra, uh, but were just not valued in the NFL draft situation because they don't have elite speed, they don't have necessary elite size, but both of those guys, extremely cerebral players, who are extremely bright and play well and are technically sound and all those things. And they've been, you know, masterful in the NFL so far. So, um, uh, in Hufanga and, and Amonra, uh, awesome for Amonra to get the chance to go to the Super Bowl If, if he can, he and the lions can, can win, uh, at Levi's this upcoming week, but bummer for Hufanga not being able there. Um, and as Kenny says in the chat, uh, lions have to be America's team at this point. Yes, easily. It's anybody but the Chiefs. 
<laughs> Anybody but the Chiefs. I really like the Chiefs, and I find myself rooting for the Chiefs more often than not. Like I just, the Yankees too? Or <laughs> um, I just do, I cover them so much that you I'm do just like, like Liverpool, in the so. middle of it. I am. Um, they do wear red, and I do tend towards... It's just uh, this is sacrilegious for me as technically a Chargers fan, but also the Chargers make my life not happy, and the Chiefs are fun. So whatever, I don't really, I don't really care. I don't have a team. Um, but for me, the best story would be the Lions. The Lions winning it all. Yeah, that, that would be uh, easily the the best story. Then again, I have a, you know a good friend who's a 49ers fan who I I don't want to see him uh, have to go through sadness. So I wouldn't mind the the Niners. Uh, you know, winning, I, I think that the uh, Aguilar getting a ring with the Ravens. Well, this is the other thing on, on the AFC side. No, there is no chief uh, Trojan right now. Um, Juju Smith Schuster no longer uh, in Kansas City, but there is Nelson Aguilar with the Ravens. He had a touchdown, twelve yards on two catches, and their wins over the win over the Titans. Sorry, Texans. Uh, uh, you know. Texans, Titans, close enough. Sort of shared a city at one point. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if if Aguilar can can get to the Super Bowl with the Ravens. The Ravens look awfully damn good uh, at the moment, so we'll see. We'll see how it all uh, comes together. Um, all right, Alicia, here we are. Uh, we wanted to have a discussion going into the season how are you feeling? How are you feeling about USC right now? Um, we made the little thumbnail here on YouTube. Uh, has USC rebuilt enough? What do you think? How, how, how do you, how do you, how are you feeling at this moment going into the 2024 season with what Lincoln Riley and his staff had been able to do so far in the early part of the off season? I'm very torn and I can't be the only one who's kind of torn. Like I feel like USC has has made the right hires in terms of the defensive staff. I'm extremely excited about the defensive staff from from top to bottom. Um, they've added the right kinds of players in terms of uh, you know getting the the defensive linemen that they needed in, in Isaiah Rikes and in uh, rebuilding the secondary with with the the um, safeties. Uh, from Oregon State and UCLA, um, you know, getting guys like Akili Ar- Arnold and, and Kamari Ramsey feel like game changers for USC at at safety. Um, there's so many guys that I, I'm very, very excited about, but it feels like USC is still a few short. And I think that's where I'm... I'm not sure if I should feel confident yet that okay. this has been fixed. Can I, can I counterpoint you? Okay. I would say, how many off seasons have we seen where SC goes into the off season and gets all the dudes? They they get the recruiting class that's the number whatever recruiting class. Think of the 2014 recruiting class or whatever. Think of the transfer portal gets that they got maybe last year where you're talking about the big names and all that stuff, because you look at the the names that SC has brought in the transfer portal. I think there's a lot of really interesting guys that I think that absolutely can be helpful. Like you said, um, 
you know, the guys from, from Oregon State, I think, are, are going to be fascinating to see how they fit in. And the guys that Nanton Lynn had brought over from UCLA are going to be fascinating to see how they fit in. Um, what's Jaden Mayava and, and Miller Moss? I think that whoever wins that job will more than likely have proven to be a pretty decent quarterback option. Like, yeah, like I, I think that there's absolutely pieces here and all that stuff, but you're right in that there's not a headliner. There's not a headliner big ticket guy that SC has brought in. There's not a Dorian Singer. There's not a uh, Jordan Addison. There's not a Caleb Williams here. But where I push back is like, how many times has SC gone out and put together a coaching staff that you feel good about in that same way? And on top of that, like, SC always has the talent to compete, even if they, yeah, the the the, the guys on the, on this roster don't compare to the 2008 defense. Certainly, yeah, obviously. Um, but I I I'm almost okay. Like I'm, it's weirdly refreshing that SC went out and valued development and valued coaching staff and put all their resources there rather than just talent for once. And so, yeah, like I, I, I'm with you that there's no big ticket guy, but we've talked about it before. Um, SC has played many a team that had way less talent than them who out coached them, especially on defense. And so there's still more than enough talent for, for USC to get, plenty out of if they even sniff the coaching ability that SC has sort of wanted to see when you look at guys uh, at schools like Oregon State and Utah and Arizona over the last couple of years if SC can coach how they have especially on defense I yeah there's there's enough dudes here I think that they can if the coaching works they can get they can get plenty out of this well, and I think that's why I'm so uneasy because I have put faith in coaching staffs before. I sure. have, I I thought that the Alex Grinch coaching staff that they brought in from Oklahoma was going to be fine at USC. I I accepted that they might not be elite, but I thought they would be fine. And they, um, in the po- many, in the poetic co- words of, of West Texas Mike. Uh, we were made to sit in Alex Grinch's diarrhea last season. But so. how many times were we sitting here and saying, well, like, yeah, uh, uh, Alex Grinch, you know, yeah, m- maybe wasn't perfect at Oklahoma, but like he had so many good, but yeah, but this, and yeah, but but that or whatever about coaching staff hires and whatnot. There is, what is the yeah, but about any of this coaching staff that, that they haven't necessarily, like, there's only one there's well there's there's one big yeah but and it and it and it's at the top and it's it's not a yeah but that I believe it's the yeah it's but the of, youth. of, it's, it's of the... Danton Lynn one turned UCLA's defense around in one season in one season yes. without a staff that he picked and with right. NFL talent rushing the passer. Yeah, but now he's got a Super Bowl winner and a national champion coach. I mean, that's underneath that's, him. that's why I I I I feel like every bit of pessimism that I might have on the defensive side of the ball is I can very easily answer the question on the optimistic side about Danton Lynn being 
too well respected coming out of the Ravens organization to just be mm-hmm. the one season wonder that uh, that Kenny references in the chat is like the the fear, right? Yeah. Um, every assistant that they have hired from the outside is way overqualified for the job that they're doing at USC now. Yes. Uh, which, which is when have you ever seen that? That Th- I. This is a school that that makes you know. Kennedy Pola, the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that promotes Rocky, Rocky Setter to be to, the, yeah. the defensive coordinator. That goes out and makes Nick Holt the de- defensive coordinator. Uh, and you end up with people 15 years later crediting Nick Holt with the defense of 2008. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, uh, th- this is, you know, we, we talked about it last week with, with Henderson and how Henderson's the assistant head coach or whatever, whatever the co-defensive whatever yeah, the co-defensive coordinator whatever the title is for pay um SC is the master of that like forever has been like how many times were there was like Clay Helton the offensive coordinator under Lane Kiffin but he wasn't you know what I mean or under Sark but he wasn't same same sort of thing yeah I and and I and I'm and I'm with you and I think that's the reason for optimism on the defensive side of the ball but I'm also scarred and I think a lot of USC fans are scarred by the defenses that we've had to watch over the right. last certainly couple of years I would say I would argue the defenses since Pete Carroll left have been more questionable than good most yeah, well, years But th- see this is the weird thing is at the time, I thought that 2005 defense was garbage. Yeah. I've well, talked about it. Kind of I, I talked about it for so long that, like, people want to talk about the 2005 USC team, and I'm like, no, 2004 was better. 2004 was better because you had yeah. all of the offense, but they were just one year younger. But then you also had four All-Americans on defense. You had Mike Patterson. You had uh, Gruda Good. Uh, you had Sean Cody. You had all these guys on defense that you didn't have in 2005. When 2005, you had guys like Ashton and uh, Oscar Lua, and uh, you had young Dallas Sartz, and you had uh, freshman Cushing and Ray get out there who probably shouldn't have been on the field at the time. Like it was just, the 2005 defense. I look back now in 2024. That 2005 defense, probably better than SC has had in, in the last decade. Since Pete Carroll left. I mean, which, the which 2013 is, defense crazy. was legitimately, yeah. what, like legitimately could get the job done. Right. The 2016 defense could legitimately get the job done. The 2017 mm-hmm. defense could legitimately get the job done. And aside from that, most of those defenses were middling to the few years of absolute trash <laughs> that we've had to go through. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess my question is, uh, we talked about like someone like Talano Hufanga, where we have seen USC have a Sua Cravens, a Talano Hufanga, a guy that is clearly All-American level, even if he doesn't get does, doesn't get those you know honors at those levels uh, because of the circumstances around him. Um, and I wonder who on this incoming defense is that guy. Now, I love Easton Mascarenas Arnold. I love Akili Arnold, Kamari Ramsey. These guys are, I think, 
very capable of coming in. John Humphrey being very good players in on USC's defense. But are they, is there a Leatu Latu in this group? Is there? I hope there is. I have to believe that Danton Lynn is identifying players that he thinks can succeed in his system. Here's a question. Do you need a Leatu Latu? Well, it helps like, to have one. <laughs> well, no, yes, obviously. But like, what I'm saying is, do you need, do you literally need a guy to lead the country in tackles for loss? It would it would go a long way. Do, it, do you need that? Would. No, it certainly would. But no. like, I think there's there's the chance that you could like replace him by committee, which is another reason right. of why I think that Romello Height I think absolutely would have worked there, um, is because yes, you maybe you don't have, you know, that one guy, but like we we talked about Romello Height right, and I was looking at the numbers just now at USC tackles for loss. I know a lot of so much. This these so many of these numbers are deceiving because SC was all world in tackles for loss for the first month of the season, and then were terrible after that. But Solomon Bird and Jamil Muhammad combined for twenty one and a half tackles for loss. If you include Romello Heights, that's twenty seven and a half tackles for loss among three guys. Well, three guys just. Divide that by two, and you assume that those are just two year edge rushers. You're you're now at two guys who have thirteen apiece. It like I, I again, that's not what Latu Latu had because he had like twenty something or whatever it was. But like it's you're you're getting closer, right? Like I like I think that you can get there with a group of dudes, even if you don't have that one big star. It's also the transition of the Big Ten. Sure. How did those players fare going mm-hmm. up against beefier de- uh, offensive fronts? You you sort of just assume uh, across the board in in the Big Ten. Right. I think it's it's going to be a challenge. But you, USC does have have Bear Alexander. Um, yeah. It's the, the the other the other thing really quick here is that last year Latu had twenty. I looked it up. Twenty one and a half tackles for loss. Uh, the Murphy twins combined, though, had twenty five. I'm um, yeah. It's so <laughs> you you not only do you need do you need uh, a Latu, but you need the Murphy twins, like we talked about. But then again, like again, and this is just me arguing with myself. Like UCLA had all of those players the year before, and their defense was was bad. So you know, right. it's it's all it's all in how you in who's pulling the strings there. And Danton Lynn clearly understands how to pull the strings. Sure. Um, if if nothing else, then in an in-game scenario, I think he was calling games well as a defensive coordinator, which is not something that we've seen from a USC defensive coordinator yeah. in what feels like forever. So right. I'll give him I'll give him that. Um, to, to talk about the offensive side of the ball, I think this is where... The offense is where my anxieties are a little bit more... Um, Focused. Mm-hmm. There are two positions that I worry greatly about. Um, I don't worry about running back because <laughs> me neither. Because I like Quentin Joyner and Marion Peterson, and because I think that we have seen now USC plug and play transfer running backs two years in a row to extremely great effect. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna sit here and assume that Jacobius Marks is gonna be fine. I I have a crazier take. It's not crazy, but like a more I, I I don't care about running backs, period. I like you will find a running back. 
uh, well, I like, mean, your running game has seen, so much. We've seen the Lincoln Riley system. I, I, for as much as people like to focus on the air rate, the game is now. Like you, you will find a running back if you have a system that can can have a successful running game. It's because your system dictates that, as opposed to you need the yes. like you don't need. It, it I care about take the offensive line more back. than the running back itself. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm not worried about running back. I'm not worried no. about wide receiver um, or tight end because a USC has now a bunch of tight ends to, to work with that I like. Um, and uh, from the recruiting class, for Lake McCree coming back, all of that, and a wide receiver. It's it's I mean I'm in a sort of similar vein of like USC has the dudes there already. And they've added an intriguing, an intriguing guy in, in Jaden Richardson, who I'm, I'm curious to see him transition from, from the FCS level. So like all of those positions, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with. I think USC has playmakers. I think USC has a system that can get the most out of those playmakers. All of that kind of stuff. I'm not even stressing the offensive line as a whole all that much because Jonah Monheim's back, and so as I said when we talked about him going back. At worst, USC has a left tackle that they can so rely on. So where's your stressful point at? USC doesn't have a center. That's still the offensive line. No, I don't want to say the offensive line as a whole. Okay. I've said my, my right, anxieties right. about USC's gotcha. offense are very focused on yeah, yeah. two specific positions. Center, who I, mm-hmm. like right now, neither you nor I, nor anyone in our chat <laughs> can tell us who USC center will be in 2024. I can muse about how maybe Jonah Monheim does a job for USC there. Yeah. Um, I can muse about how. Daniel says uh, Elijah Page looked good. Uh, yeah. Elijah Page. And that's, and Elijah Page looked good on the offensive line. And so yeah. like, I think he can come in and be a tackle for sure. Well, well this is one of those um, things too. If like, there's always the argument, do you put your best offensive lineman at left tackle? Or do you put them at center? Like regardless of like, Whose body type jo- works for what, and whose whose footwork works for what? Like, there's there's a belief that like you might want to just have your best guy at center. You might just want to have your best guy at well, left okay. tackle. Okay, is is Jonah Monheim coming back for another season of eligibility, spurning the NFL to play center? I don't know. Like, I think I would imagine that he's coming back to play guard to to play his natural position to put on to put film on the table for the NFL to be a guard is he coming back to play center for USC I don't know I mean I think it's entirely possible I for right now it feels like the best option but if that's your best option then like well then I don't then I then if you master center are are you are you hurting yourself in the NFL I don't think so like because even if the NFL, uh, NFL team wants to put you at guard like that like that that's not the a crazy transition right like I think it's way less so than say guard to tackle. I mean, maybe, but again, if you're if if the whole point of coming back is to put stuff on tape, I sure. having a year where Jonah Monaheim proves he can play center wouldn't hurt him in that sense, but it wouldn't allow him to get the guard stuff on tape. So I right. I, I don't know. Um, is there going to be a center good enough out there in the transfer portal to to? to come in um, certainly not right now so at the very least you're not going to have them there for spring ball at mm-hmm. that point you're rolling the dice on them being ready to go right. with just one fall which we've already had a whole bajillion discussions about how relying on a transfer offensive lineman is always a going to be a, a bit of a crapshoot um, I don't know what the solution here is I, I really don't and 
I'm not saying that I think that they can't, like, I think they will figure it out. But there's a difference between figuring out at, like, the level where USC has an offensive line that just doesn't get worse than it was this year. Mm -hmm. And there's a level of figuring it out to the degree where USC can take a step forward offensively despite losing Caleb Williams at quarterback, understanding that you will be taking no, literally no offense to Miller Moss or Jane Mayava, but you will be taking a step back at quarterback this, this coming season, no matter what, because Caleb Williams will not be your quarterback. Right. And so it becomes even more important that your offensive line is, is settled and, and dealt with. And I think that the offensive line will my suspicion is that the recruiting that USC has done has been solid enough on the offensive line. We've liked what we've seen from guys like Alani Noah and, and Elijah Page in small instances that we've gotten to see them. And you have to expect that this offseason will be their chance to take those steps forward and step into starting roles and prove that they can they can be capable of, uh, of, of playing at USC and creating a stable base for USC at, at, at offensive line. Mm-hmm. But is that enough to get USC through a Big Ten schedule where the offensive line is going to be challenged physically more often? Right. Um, and get USC through a, a Big Ten schedule where winning those battles in the trenches are are, are basically how, how you get through all this this whole thing. And, and can you do that if you don't have a very clear and solid answer at center? So... That's my my anxiety is if USC doesn't have a clear and solid answer at center or doesn't have a very clear and solid backup plan at center, because by the way, let's say Jonah Monheim's my center. Yeah. Lock that in. Cool. Move forward with that. Jonah Monheim gets injured on the first drive of the season. What do you do then? Because is it then Killian O'Connor? I I don't know. I, 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 I have no idea. Like this is, I don't think we know a too deep at center let alone a th- like can imagine a three deep at center. It's a big, big question mark for me going into spring ball to say the least. Yeah. Um, and then there's the question at quarterback. Yeah. Well, look at, look at last year. SC had Gino Quinones go down earlier on in the season. They didn't, you didn't have a backup center. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think, I think that that's all valid. Um, I would go off the other thing to throw in here is that we talked about it this past season that one of the reasons that SC might've failed with the offensive line rebuilding through the transfer portal last year was that they relied too many on external guys, too much on external guys to come in and work. Uh, when you look at guys like, you know, Tarquin and, uh, and, uh, Pregnant and and Kingston, yeah and, yeah, and all those guys. And who, by the way, Pregnant coming back is is super is, is pretty big. Him, yeah. him being a younger offensive line mm-hmm. transfer is is yeah. very very helpful because that's one guard spot that I think theoretically is pre- you just pretty is solid, right? Yeah, but like we we had talked about it before, like maybe you can bring in one transfer on the offensive line because chemistry is so important that you want get chemistry and system is so important that like it takes so much longer to develop these guys uh, that you, you can't necessarily have three. Uh, well, maybe FC is in a position to where they're not going to have that many offensive uh, linemen from the outside because we haven't seen SC go out and get guys 
um, from not from even the space line. fillers. I, no, uh, I mean the 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 lack of activity on the offensive line for USC. Yeah, is maybe which means everybody. Maybe, that, every, maybe I'm putting way too much faith in the coaching staff now. So like, check me if you need to, listeners. But sure, the fact that they haven't even. We, I don't even, I mean, I can't say I've been well, paying close attention. as it stands now, but. like the answer of who's going to start in week one against LSU is anyone that was here before. Yes. Or it was the He's incoming arriving freshman. arriving in the, in, the, yeah. in, the, in, the current, in the current recruiting class, which right. um, like we've said, USC has recruited the offensive line mm-hmm. very ably over the, over the two seasons that this staff has had a chance to recruit that position in terms of just adding bodies. And yeah. the fact that they haven't even, because that's the thing is maybe you swing and miss at a, at some offensive linemen that are out there um, that you want to come in and, and be starters. But the, the fact that they haven't even gone on plan B or C or, or anybody like there are offensive linemen out there that if they need, mm-hmm. if they felt that they needed bodies, we would see those guys committing to USC. Sure. Um, that's not been the case, which tells me that they must like, they, they might feel the good about where they're, that they have, which yeah. I, I kind of get it. I kind of get it because like you said, it didn't work with the transfers this past season as the stopgap. Um, at least not as well as they so, hoped. So that's more of an aversion to to plug and play transfers more so than a full on belief in what you have, right? Well, it might be full on belief it, in what well, they have. It could be a combination of, the, of both of yeah. them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, this is this is the big question, right? Yeah. Uh, mentioned Gino Quinones right there. Um, look at the USC roster on, online, usctrojans.com. Do you, do you know what his major is? Gino Canonas? Yes. Uh, communications. Geo design. And I'm like, that sounds cool. Is that like GeoGuessr? I don't <laughs> know. What do you think geo design is? I looked this up and do you know anything about geo design? Geo design. Uh, no, I can do context clues. Okay. Okay. Tell me your context clue Context guess. clues. Um, maybe it has to do with like city planning or um that kind of thing okay i'm gonna i'm gonna read you what it says on wikipedia and then i need you to explain this to me okay geodesign is a set of concepts and methods used to involve all stakeholders and various professions in collaboratively designing and realizing the optimal solution for spatial challenges in the built and natural environments utilizing all available techniques techniques and data in an integrated process. Holy word salad, Batman. What? <laughs> Dan in the chat says geo design is just civil engineering with better marketing. That <laughs> so I'm sort of on the right track with city planning or or like uh like you know, uh, uh, it's probably it's probably the concept of like designing um <laughs> designing sort of the, the the interplay between all of the elements of a city that or 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 a space not just a city I, but like a like sure. urban design or I, I don't know so I, I see gisgeography.com says geodesign is the field of study that combines geography with design thanks <laughs> thanks for that cool um yeah all right <laughs> Well, that's fun. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's where we are. We're, we'll have this discussion more as we go in the offseason about where USC uh, 
<laughs> stands going into uh into the Big Twelve, Big Twelve, the Big Ten, the Big, uh, 10. The big eighteen, the Big eighteen, eighteen, the Big eighteen, yeah, yes. the Big eighteen. Um, yeah, it, my I, I said it on last week's podcast. I will say it again. I think that. I think there's a little bit too much. Yes, I think USC's schedule this upcoming season is going to be very difficult. But I think there's a little bit too much pearl clutching going on when it comes to the horror of how scary the Big Ten is going to be. Uh, SC just played in the best conference in America last calendar year. Uh, Pac-12 was incredible last year. Uh, I, like, seriously, it was. Um and this idea of like, oh, well, SC hasn't played against big, big tough teams. Uh, have you have you seen Utah before? Like, like you're gonna tell me that Utah doesn't play as physical of a demanding game as say Wisconsin does? Like, mm-hmm. you know, SC has played teams like this before. Um, it's not like this is not a gigantic change of pace that has to be as scary as it sounds. I, I think that it will be a di- difficult schedule going forward, but I don't think it's like they're they're not suddenly playing NFL teams. I, my my thing on all of this is um, USC, the program historically has played its biggest games against the Big Ten historically, the Big Ten's sure. best games, and USC when they have well coached teams that make it to the Rose Bowl often win the Rose Bowl against the Big Ten's best teams because USC teams that are coached well, yeah, that are drilled well, that are technically uh, built well, uh, can do just fine against the quote-unquote right. more physical teams. USC struggles not because they're not physical enough, but because they're not coached well enough. Yeah, when they, yeah when 100%. You, you mistake yeah. USC's not physical with USC's not coached very well. Yeah. In the trenches, I, I I I will say it a million times over. I think the word physical, like physicality, when people talk about physicality, yeah. they're 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 talking about playing well. Yeah, and like like I know that that sounds silly, but like yeah, so much of it, like who's going to win? Well, whoever's more physical today. In other words, whoever's having more success. Yeah, <laughs> whoever is winning one on one battles. Yeah, yes, because well, one that, player is better than the other because one player is. Is yes, like is, yeah. Whoever is more successful will will win. Yeah, yeah. that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Let's let's go to the mailbag and then wrap this thing up, shall we? You've got mail. All right. Let's start with a uh, a message we got from uh. Let's say SJ on the um YouTube. Uh, Alicia, what are you, what is more disappointing for you, the Chargers or USC basketball? Um. Neither, because I don't put faith in either of those teams. <laughs> I am dead inside fully oh with both of those teams. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you are disappointed by USC basketball this year, it's because you made the mistake of expecting mm. anything from USC basketball this year. Uh, and and you can use the injuries as an excuse all you want, but also without the injuries... Uh, actually, the injuries, this is my hot take, the injuries are benefiting Andy Enfield more than anybody because I don't think this USC team would have actually achieved very much and he gets to blame the the injuries. And um, and uh, and that's really, really convenient because uh, USC's record wouldn't be all that spectacular either way. 
Um, yeah. yeah. The USC basketball has been a big dud on the men's side and a big boon on the women's side. Uh, the USC women look incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, Juju Watkins is like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Juju Smith-Schuster. Since Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah. Uh, we got a question from Roman Murdy. How far ahead of the current Big Ten teams is our offense? Uh, I Okay, can I, can I jump in here real quick? Sure. I tried to answer this question, and I didn't come away with a good answer. Okay, so I... Because, I, I looked up some statistics really quick. Okay. No, well, the, the answer being, I tried to look up what Lincoln Riley's record against Big Ten teams is in his career at Oklahoma at USC. And he just, I he's played one Big Ten team, mm-hmm. and that was Ohio State. And they got the win. Didn't put up much offense, but they did get the win. So it's very hard to say. But I would imagine that USC's offense is... Something that most of those Big Ten teams, like everyone talks about how USC has to worry about those Big Ten teams and their physicality and hard-nosed football and all that kind of stuff. Like those teams have to worry about USC's offensive ability as well going the other way. Yeah, so the 2023 Ohio State Buckeyes led the Big Ten in yards per play with 6.38. For context, they led the Big Ten, but that was also the worst Ohio State offense in eight years. Uh, or seven years, since 2016. <laughs> Where do you think they would have ranked in the Pac-12 by yards per play? Fifth? Sixth. So, Ohio State in yards per play, 6.38. They would have been behind Oregon at 7.82. USC at 7.39. Washington, 7.04. Arizona, 7.76. Oregon State, 6.45. They would have been sixth ahead of Washington State, which is at 5.94. So I I will say that, like, I think that we don't know how far ahead USC's offense is when you're in a transition uh, at quarterback and you don't know necessarily who your quarterback's going to be uh, and don't know how the offensive line is going to shake out and all that stuff. I think it is going to be a question mark there. However... I think if we just go chalk, let's just say Miller Moss wins the, the, the we're just going to go with the offense that basically played in the Holiday Bowl. Just assume that that's yeah. somewhat about where the offense is, mm-hmm. just for the lack of argument's sake here, uh, of making it complicated. If that's the team that goes and plays in the Big Ten next year, the only teams that I think have a scarier offense off the top of my head is yeah Ohio State's ability I think their ceiling is certainly high way higher yeah Ryan Day can coach an offense they could they they should be better than they were last year yeah. right yeah they should if be better the, than they the, were if, last year if the yeah. quarterback if if the Will Howard thing hits yeah. they should they, sh- they should be better uh but other than that I don't think that there is an obvious answer of anyone that's better other than Oregon and this is why, like I said last week on the pod, I, I think Oregon is easily, easily the Big Ten favorite going in, into the season. Like The only argument that it's not Oregon is if you're putting all your faith in Ohio State to rebound and fix their problems from this past year. 
Which maybe you will, you will. They only lost a game last year, right? Like, like maybe, yeah, maybe they will. But like, yeah. I or, I'm, I'm looking through SP plus rankings, SP plus offense. the The reason I like SP plus is it's opponent adjusted, so it's, sure. the, it's the closest you're going to get to accounting for different sort of cultures and conferences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the offensive numbers are not inspiring for the. For the uh, for the big Big Ten, big yeah, Ten. yeah. Well, even you look at Michigan's offense. Michigan's offense is twelfth, pretty pretty of, good of the elite. Um, sure, uh, like the reason Michigan wins the national title is because their because their, their defense. defense was yeah. incredible and their offense was was good enough yes. to to, to yeah. match that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was sort of the the difference for Ohio State is their defense was you, really good, you, but their offense wasn't quite at that step that they needed. You put that offense in the in the Pac-12 this past season. Yeah. That's like the fourth best offense, maybe mm-hmm. the fifth best offense at best. Yeah, oh, for Michigan? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. It, it it just is. Like it it mm-hmm. th- that's that's how it works. So, yeah, I, I think the USC will be just fine on offense. Absolutely compared to everybody else. It's going to be how they are defensively. Um, what does help is that we'll have to play a lot of teams who are, like, we talk about the offenses are not nearly as good in the, in the Big Ten. That should help USC's defense. It should help. The big the big question for USC's offense, there, there are two major questions for USC's offense um, in 2024. It's Michigan and Penn State, because those are elite defenses. Um Penn State is going to have a new defensive coordinator, uh, sort of uh, so, some questions about how they sort of manage that turnover. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Michigan has the obvious questions of of their in um, uh, rebuild mode in terms of just they, they just lose a lot of guys. Like they, they were a veteran later laden team that won the national title. Yeah, uh, they they will lose a lot of guys. They they've been they have a very strong program that's been built up for a while. So I think they'll be able to plug. It should be able uh, to reload. To, to reload. Well. Yeah. I think you don't ex- you you don't expect them to take a huge step back, but um, maybe not have the number one defense in the country. Hopefully, uh, but the question for Lincoln Riley is how does his offense stand up against Michigan and Penn State? The rest of them, mm-hmm. uh, I think he should be looking to roll through um through everybody i think everything yeah yeah i, I think that i think the offense will be just fine against the, the majority, vast majority of the teams, of, yeah. of, of the teams on the schedule yeah uh it's going to be how they fare against michigan and ohio state that you're going to be ultimately judged yeah uh luckily sc only gets one of those and it's in september uh and there's a lot of time to, to recover from to that. recover from that if it if that one doesn't go so Day after so. my birthday so that'll be fun you know what that means? USC has a bad habit of losing on the weekend of my birthday. Which, so. Way to just... Jeez. Pessimistic Elisa on full <laughs> force, huh? Uh, all right. Uh, Dan says, will you drive to Irvine to watch USC baseball? I love the container store. I won't drive to Irvine to, for the container store, so no. I, I refuse no. to drive to Irvine for anything. I wasn't driving to USC for USC baseball, so... Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Touche. Um... All right, let's get to a couple of questions we got uh, over on Discord. Uh, a little more off-topic-y stuff. L.A. Fred, what is something that surprises you, given all the techno- advanced technology in the world, that is not a thing yet? So many things. Um, why is it not a thing yet that uh, my printer can communicate with any of the devices that I need printed and reliably print what I need it to print? 
that's that's the thing that I don't understand why this technology is so difficult. I have headphones that can sense when I put them in my ear and automatically connect to all of the devices that I want it to to to, to connect to in an, in the matter of us of a second. But the damn printer, if you try to connect and print stuff, no, 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 can do. You are asking yeah. too much. Explain this to me. I feel like printers have gotten worse. My dad just I, called me yesterday and was like, the, the printer is only printing in red ink. I don't know how to... And I, I'm to the point now where I'm like, man, I am in a post-printer world. I am all for going to Kinko's and just printing my stuff if I need to get something there. Yeah. 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 I, I will I've say, never been happier with a printer than I was in college when I had a printer that literally just plugged into my computer. Oh, yeah. I... I had a late. That was the I, last so, time I liked my printer. I used to work retail. I worked at Office Depot, so I would get. I was always fascinated with printers. So, like, I bought a laser printer, little laser printer, brother laser printer, very simple, only printed black and white, black and white. That was the best printer I've ever had. Yeah, because it was great for printing schoolwork. And then I'd get the, the fancy laser paper, and then people would be like, "Oh, oh the paper fancy. is so nice." Oh, that OD yeah. life. Yeah, that was me. Uh, I, I can't think of anything else. Uh, advanced technology that not a thing yet. I can't think. Like I'm just constantly amazed at everything. Why is it not a thing yet that my windshield wipers can't automatically? Uh, this might just be my car is not new uh, enough. I've, my windshield wipers can't automatically detect that it needs to be wiped. Does anybody have? Yeah. Uh, does anyone have windshield wipers that automatically know that it needs to wipe the windshield? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I I I I I hear you. I I think that that's a the possibility. I I just it, do is is it that much of a great need? I don't know. No, but I don't know. Uh, all your friends. Says, says that they turn on automatically now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, there's a, there's a bunch of my car does that. I'm giving I'm giving away the 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 year of of our car. Our my car, car is old. It's twenty. Here's the biggest frustration about our car situation. Yeah. We we used to be a two car ho- household. We've we've gone down to a one car household because we work from home. Yeah. But. You put your seat in the grandma position, and I don't. I am five foot four, sir. It's not grandma position. It is five foot four position. The The point is, the, the one annoying part about that car is you have to, like, crank the seat up and yeah. down. It's not an old car. What it's just we a need, Mazda, So what we need... Like, we need the cars. What we that need have is the, the car that does the automatic. Based on whose fob is yes. is getting into the car, it does the automatic. Yes. Stuff. Yeah. By the way, big shout out, um, um, super chat to oh uh, yes to West Texas Mike who said thank you for saying Alex Grinch's diarrhea on <laughs> on the pod. Yeah, you're welcome. Made me laugh. Yeah. Ellie uh, Fred says, "What is something that you do that is self taught?" Um, these are great questions are great that I questions. should have good answers to. And my first thought was like crocheting, but does mm-hmm. it count as self-taught if like my mom got me into it when I was a teenager? Because like she showed me how to do it, but also I ended up like self-teaching myself like a lot, most of what I was ended up doing with sure. crocheting. 
Um, so that feels like something that is self-taught. I I am gonna go with so podcasting is self-taught. We're self self-taught. Podcasters. I think the podcasting stuff. A lot of it is self-taught. Yeah, yeah. editing. I, I, you you definitely self-taught yourself editing. Yeah, I mean, I watch a bunch of YouTube videos. Right, sure, that's self-taught. But like, is that self-taught? Yeah. I feel like that takes away. I, I I wouldn't say podcasting stuff. Also, like. Neither of us went to broadcasting school or anything like that. And this I think that true. we're we're pretty good at speaking on the pod. I think that, that counts as self-taught. Yeah. LA Fred says, guests are coming over for dinner. What's on your menu? What do you got? Um, this this means what, what are we good at cooking for, <laughs> for people? Mac and cheese. I, so one of the things that I feel like I have truly mastered is the burrito bowl. Yeah, you you. Uh, I make burrito bowls for lunch, that's, I think are much better than Chipotle at this point, and I am so happy about it. Like I I love them so much. I have you know really started to spice my beans and my chicken different and stuff like that. Like it, everything has come together very solidly, and I feel good about that. But like that's not something that you give somebody when they come over i think the the thing that i would make people if they were coming over tomorrow for like some nice dinner it's probably a chicken divan my mom's chicken divan recipe yeah yeah i um if i had to make make a meal from scratch it would be chicken and white wine sauce uh with with rice and like a side of Pick your veggie mix here. The kind that comes in steamer bags. Is there something that you wish you knew how to cook well? Um. Because I I got one. I don't want this to come. Well, okay, no. Number one, and this is my goal for this year. One of my goals for this year is by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, uh, I want to have perfected a mac and from cheese. scratch mac and cheese recipe yeah. to bring to Thanksgiving because that's the one thing my family doesn't do for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, and it's something I want to do. So that is one thing AKA I want to your, do. Your family's white, but yeah. <laughs> but here's here's the thing. Um, that question is more about like there there are things that I wish I had a good recipe to. But I'm a very confident baker and cook. And if I have a recipe, I know I can execute mm-hmm. a thing. I'm very good at following a recipe. So great baker. So yeah. the the issue is less like, is there something I want I, I wish I knew how to make? Uh it's never that because if you gave me a recipe, I know I could make it. The hard part is finding a good recipe. Sure. Uh you say you're you're a you're a good baker. Uh what do you like to bake? Sorry, I shouldn't ask. I shouldn't ask. Uh, that's an inside joke for people who watch TikTok. Uh, one of the things that I wish I was good at making, but it, so, so I've been um, making like different kind of potato stuff. So like I'll make like home fries or whatever, and I've been able to make those or like stuff like that. But in the air fryer, I want to make a good battered potato strip. That like one of the things like I I love fish and chips right like if I can make fi- like fish and chips at home that are restaurant quality oh it would be the the greatest thing of all time 
but there's just so much effort that goes into it. You got to have the, the deep fryer or whatever. And like, well, yeah, a lot of that is also equipment because yeah, the, like, the problem with, with frying anything at home is just that like how, who actually has a deep fryer that can. Right. Yeah. You know. And like, I love just a bag of like Orida potato strips, but like, it's not that like even the oven ones or the air fryer ones are good. Like, it would be it would be cool. It'd be cool if you could just like properly make those at home. But a lot of lot of effort, a lot of effort. I th- I think for sure. Uh, Trini says, assume that you've settled down for a nice game of battle shots. Uh, since you both have some strong food preferences, what are you putting on your board? Um, Trini, I'm so I'm so sorry. I'm gonna sound like the absolute lamest lamo of all time. We put this on the rundown, and I asked Alicia, what's battle shots? <laughs> I I have you, you tried the to explain only person it to me who and, know this. and I'm okay, like okay, here. Do you know the game Battleship? Love Battleship. Okay. Take a battleship board. Okay. Exactly as Battleship is. Okay, so there's a divider and you can't see. Yes, and there's and there's each spots. Other. There's there's like uh, it's probably like twelve spots. Okay. Right. All right. Instead of pegs that you put in your ships, like mm-hmm. your your destroyer and sure. your all that kind of stuff, you have four shot glasses, and each of those shot glasses goes in a spot like where you would put your destroyer, where you would put mm-hmm. your this. Sure. And then we would play a game of battleship where I would say I'm gonna take a shot at B three sure and you will say miss or if your shot glass is there you say hit and then you take the shot so the question that trinice is asking is if we had to in my case you know like wait are you picking the shots for the other person i don't know that's the thing is is in my imagination i would pick the four shots that i have but if I'm picking them for you, then that's very different. And if you're t- picking that for me, then that's very different. Mm-hmm. And also, this game feels like a good way for me to literally die. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. I I would do one shot of fireball. Oh, yes. One shot of. Don't say Jameson. <laughs> no, no. Jameson is staying very, very, very far away from this conversation. Um, I would do a Snickers shot. Okay. Um, which is like, it's like amaretto and, and something yeah. else. Um, I would do a, um, a cactus cooler shot, which is something, but it doesn't, t- it tastes like cactus cooler. I don't remember what's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lemon drop. Yeah. Okay. That That is good. Anything that's just a straight up shot that is not fireball. Yeah. <laughs> Tastes like paint thinner. You're lying to yourself if you, if you don't do it. Like, Jameson. Oh, my God. What are we... Like, straight up freaking paint thinner. It's horrible. Absolutely hor- horrible experience to do any sort of shots. Um, yeah, I, I would say lemon drop. Have you ever had a Tootsie Roll shot? Yeah, I do a Tootsie Roll shot. Those those are yeah. good. Yeah. And Fireball and... Uh, yeah. Uh, Bill in the chat says, does the iconic French dip place still exist in downtown LA? Philippe's. Which which one? Philippe's or Cole's? I Coles? heard there's a there's a big debate. I've only ever been to Philippe's. So never been to Cole's? Never been to Cole's. I went to a speakeasy that's like in Cole's or next to Cole's or whatever, but I've never been to oh. Cole's like liter- 
specifically Coles. Okay. Philippe's is absolutely bussing. Wonderful. Yeah. Big bussing. Bussing. Sure. Bussing. It's bussing. Yeah. Bussing. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Sagar in the chat says, Michael, the single best fish and chips you'll ever have is at Water Grill. Blue Water Grill? You mean Blue Water Grill? Um, I've... What are the best chi- best fish and chips you've had? Um... I've been with you when you've declared that something was the best fish and chips you've ever had, but I don't remember uh, where it was. Can I tell you the type of fish and chips that I like? I like things nice and beer battered to where like it's got some thickness on the batter where you bite into it and it's like it's got that soft little goo inside, but it's crunchy on the outside and then a super flaky, moist fish inside. Ooh. Ooh. Some of the best fish and chips I've ever had, Patrick Malloy's in Hermosa Beach. Aged salt is, is really good. You like McDonald's for burgers, too? <laughs> like, comparatively, come on. Here. Yeah. Uh, aged salt is great. It's fine. I, I love Long John Silver's, too. I, but it's not the, not the same thing. Not quite the same thing. Uh, we had great fish and chips in on our honeymoon in Canada. Um yeah. at what was it called? Prince Rupert. Prince Rupert. Prince right. Rupert, British Columbia. Yes. That that stuff was, was the most absolutely hitting. So I I like yeah, a very big piece of chick uh, of fish that is very beer battered. Um and then for the potato strips, I love a thick like your classic Steak, steak, steak cut are always great. Um, I like a thick, thick piece of fish, thick piece of potato. That's what that's what I want. Uh, absolutely. Um, but and I like shoestring. Uh... Yeah. Uh, your 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 family likes the hood in the valley, uh, which is always funny Robin because hood, yeah yes because. When your family's like, oh, have you ever been to the hood before? I'm like, <laughs> I'm aware of the hood. Yes. Uh, L-A-U-S-D kid right here. Yes. I Yes, I'm aware. Yeah. And they're like, they have great fish and chips. I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, Robin Hood. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Robin Hood, yes. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, well, this will wrap up the pod. Uh, we'll be back next time, next Monday. Uh, to talk more USC football and so much more. As always, send us your emails radiotroyfanside.com You know how to reach us otherwise in that phone number uh, 818-643-7227 as well. So, uh, until then, we will see ya. See ya. See ya. See ya, Jesse. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.